Chapter Five of the Diamond Pin by Carolyn Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Five, Downing's evidence. And so the case went to the coroner's jury, and after some discussion, they returned the inevitable verdict of murder by person or persons unknown. Some of them preferred the phrase "causes unknown." but others pointed out that the physical causes of mrs pell's death were only too evident the question was who was the perpetrator of the ghastly deed and so the foreman somewhat importantly announced that the deceased met her death at the hands of persons unknown and in most mysterious and inexplicable circumstances but recommended that every possible effort be made to trace any connection that might exist between the tragedy and the heirs to the fortune of the deceased a distinct murmur of disapproval sounded through the room yet there were those who wagged assenting heads the inquest had been a haphazard affair in some ways Berrien was possessed of only a limited force and its head inspector clare was a man whose knowledge of police matters consisted of an education beyond his intelligence moreover the case itself was so weirdly tragic so out of all reason or belief that the whole force was at its wit's end the blue-coats at the doors of pelbrook were as interested in the village gossip as the villagers themselves and though entrance was difficult most of the influential members of the community were assembled to hear the inquiry into this strange matter there were so few material witnesses those who were questioned knew so little and more than all the mystery of the murder in the locked room was so baffling that there was of course no possibility of other than an open verdict it's all very well said the inspector pompously to bring in that verdict yes that's all very well but the murderers must be found a crime like this must not go unpunished it's mysterious of course but the truth must be ferreted out we're only at the beginning there is much to be learned beside the meagre evidence we have already collected the mass of people had broken up into small groups all of whom were confabbing with energy there were several strangers present for the startling details of the case as reported in the city papers had brought a number of curious visitors from the metropolis one of these a quiet-mannered middle-aged man edged nearer to where the inspector was talking to bannard and iris clyde hughes was listening also mr bowen and mr chapin it's this way the inspector was saying in his unpolished manner of speech we've got her alive at three talking to her niece and we've got her dying at half-past three and calling for help between those two stated times the murderer attacked her man-handled her pretty severely and flung her down to her death besides ransacking the room and stealing nobody knows what or how much seems to me a remarkable affair like that ought to be easier to get at than a simple everyday robbery it ought to be i think too said the stranger in a mild pleasant voice may i ask how you're going about it who are you sir asked clare you got any right here a reporter no not a reporter a humble citizen of new york city not connected with the police force in any way but i'm interested in this mystery and i judge you have in mind some definite plan to work on mollified even flattered at the man's evident faith in him the inspector replied yes sir yes i may say i have perhaps not for immediate disclosure no not that but i have a pretty strong belief that we'll yet round up the villains you assume more than one person then 
i think so yes i may say i think so but that's of little moment if we can run down the clues we have if we can follow their pointing fingers we shall know the criminal and learn whether or not he had accomplices in his vile work quite so and with a smile and a nod the stranger drifted away another man came near then and frankly introduced himself as joe young from a nearby town saying he wanted to be allowed to examine the wall safe said to have been rifled by the murderer my father built that safe he explained his interest and i think it might lead to some further enlightenment detective hughes accompanied young to the closed room that had been mrs pell's sanctum and they entered alone don't touch things cautioned hughes i've not really had a chance yet to go over the place with a fine-tooth comb they've taken the poor lady's body away but otherwise nothing's been touched oh i won't touch anything agreed young but i couldn't help a sort of a notion that my father might have built more than a safe he was a skilful carpenter and joiner and mrs pell was a tricky woman i mean by that she was mighty fond of tricking people and she easily could have had a secret cupboard or even an entrance from somewhere behind that safe but no amount of searching could discover the slightest possibility of such a thing the open safe was an ordinary built-in-the-wall affair not large enough to suggest an entrance for a person nor was there any secret compartment behind it or anything other than showed on the surface the door when closed had been covered by a picture which had been taken down and flung on the floor the safe was absolutely empty and no one knew what it had contained young was decidedly disappointed i had no personal motive in looking this thing up he said i only hoped that my knowledge of my father's clever work might lead to some discovery that would prove helpful to you detectives or to the family but it's plain to be seen there's no hocus-pocus about this thing it's as simple a safe as i ever saw nothing in fact but a concealed cupboard with a combination lock wonder who opened it the murderer i don't think so rejoined hughes i think the intruder whoever he was compelled the old lady to open it for him you stick to the masculine gender i see in your assumptions i do i don't think for a minute that miss clyde is involved but her room is just above this oh that's what you're after a secret connection between this room and miss clyde's by way of the safe yes that's what i had in mind but there's not the slightest possibility of it is there no not any other secret passage of any sort or kind oh i've investigated fully in that respect i meant i haven't searched for tiny clues and little scraps of evidence straws in fact do show which way the wind blows well i don't suppose i can be of any help but if i can call on me i live in east fallville only twelve miles away and i'd like nothing better than to dig into this mystery if i'm wanted thank you mr young i appreciate your helpful spirit and i'll call on you if it's available but i don't mind owning up that we have more people to look into this matter than directions in which to look as you may imagine it's a baffling thing to get hold of i confess i hardly know which way to turn as the two men returned to the living-room hughes overheard some angry words between bannard and roger downing one of the dwellers in the village but i saw you downing was saying you think you did returned bannard but you're mistaken when asked hughes suddenly and sharply of downing sunday about noon when bannard was skulking around in the woods just back of this house 
skulking take back that word cried bannard well you were sauntering around then dawdling around whatever you want it called but you were there i was not declared bannard and i saw your little motor-car waiting for you a bit farther along the road <laughs> you did and bannard laughed shortly well as it happens i don't own a motor-car nonsense roger said hughes when bannard wasn't up here sunday afternoon where would he have been concealed until three o'clock in his aunt's room take that back shouted bannard do you know what you're saying hush up both of you cautioned hughes for heaven's sake don't get up a scene over nothing but if you saw a small motor-car along the road near here i want to know about it what time was this downing long about noon i tell you was the sulky reply it might have been a few minutes before there was no one in the car it was drawn up by the side of the road not more than two hundred yards from the house and you thought you saw mr bannard of course it was someone else but it's important to know about this i can't help thinking whoever committed that murder was hidden in the room for some time beforehand and how did he get away asked bannard if you ask me that once more i'll pound you i don't know how he got away but he did get away and we'll find out how when we find our man that's my theory of procedure if you want to know let the mystery of the locked room wait and devote all possible effort to finding the murderer then the rest will unravel itself easier said than done sneered downing if you're going to discard all evidence or statements that anyone makes to you if you were so sure you saw mr bannard on sunday morning why didn't you state so at the inquest i wasn't asked and besides twas about noon and old timkin only asked about the afternoon and besides broke in bannard you weren't sure you did see me and you weren't sure you saw anybody and you made up this whole yarn anyhow nothing of the sort and you'll find out win bannard when i tell all i know quit it now ordered hughes if you've anything to tell of real importance roger tell it to me when we're alone don't sing out your information all over the place you're going straight ahead with your investigations then bannard asked of the detective yes but we can't do much till after the funeral and-and what and after the reading of the will you know motive is a strong factor in unravelling a murder case why suppose some of the servants receive large legacies and you know how queer mrs pell was she might well leave a fortune to those purdies oh they didn't do it and bannard tossed off the idea as absurd you don't know leaving out as i said before the question of how the villain got in or out it might easily have been one or more of the servants and other help is hired beside the regular house crowd take it from me it was somebody in the house and not an intruder from outside and take it from me you don't know what you're talking about said roger downing as he angrily stalked away bannard had said very little to iris since his coming to pelbrook but he now sought her out and asked her what she thought about the whole matter i don't know what to think iris replied to his question but i don't know as it matters so much about solving the mystery poor aunt ursula is dead she was killed but i don't see how we can find out who did it i think win it must have been somebody we don't know about say someone connected with her early life you know she has had a more or less varied career how do you mean she lived here very quietly 
yes but before she came here before we knew her even before we were born and then her jewels nobody ever owned a splendid collection of jewels but what they were beset by robbers and burglars to get the treasure then you think it an ordinary jewel robbery not ordinary far from that but i can't help thinking that was what the thieves were after why you know her jewels are world famous what do you mean by world famous well maybe not that but well known among jewellers and jewel collectors so they would of course be known to professional jewel thieves that's so where are they anyway the thieves no the jewels i haven't the least idea haven't you honestly indeed i haven't i don't believe you why win bannard what do you mean oh i oughtn't to say that but truly iris i supposed of course you knew where aunt ursula kept em well i don't i've not the slightest notion of her hiding-place hiding-place aren't they in a safe deposit or something of that sort they may be but i don't think so but it will be told in the will mr chapin is so ridiculously secretive about the will sometimes i think she may have left them all to someone else after all someone else yes someone besides us i think don't you that we ought to be her principal heirs but she promised me always her wonderful diamond pin huh i don't think one diamond pin so much why she has i know but she always spoke of this particular diamond pin that she destined for me as something especially valuable i expect it is a sort of koh-i-noor oh i didn't know about that and what is she going to leave me to match up to that i don't know i'm sure but we sound very mercenary talking like this before the poor lady is even buried to be honest iris i'm terribly sorry for the way the poor thing was killed but i can't grieve very deeply unless i'm a hypocrite as you know aunt ursula and i weren't good friends who could be friends with aunt ursula i tried my best win my very best but she was too trying to live with you've no idea what i went through oh yes i've an idea i lived with her some years myself well we'll say nothing but good of her now she's gone i say iris let's take a walk down to the village and see brown the jeweller what for ask him about her jewels oh no i think that would be horrid you go if you like i shan't but iris went out on the veranda with bannard and they ran into sam tory the brother of agnes hello sam said bannard what's that you were saying about seeing a man around here sunday morning not morning but noon declared sam gazing with lack-lustre eyes at his questioner brace up now sam tell me all you know and bannard looked the boy squarely in the eye sam about seventeen or so was of undeveloped intellect called by the neighbours half-witted but if pinned down to a subject and his attention kept on it he could talk pretty nearly rationally no lots saw a man here there near edge of woods nice little car oh awful nice little car yes go on what did he do 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 oh nothing walked around hold on you said he was in a car no walked around sly oh so sly 
rubbish you're making up of course he is said iris he can't tell a connected story who was the man sam don't know name but he was at the show to-day at the inquest no bannard exclaimed yes he was same man oh i know him he killed missy pell how did he get in the house bannard tried to draw him on to further absurd assertions dunno and sam shook his uncertain head but he did and he kill and kill and so he come to show fool talk and bannard scowled at the defective lad no sir sam no fool yes you are and you know it iris declared but she smiled at him for she had known the unfortunate boy a long time and always treated him kindly but not as a rational human being and just then brown the local jeweller appeared he had been sent for by hughes in order that they might get some idea of the whereabouts of mrs pell's jewel collection no one really thought they had all been stored in the small wall safe and brown was asked concerning his knowledge several of the most interested clustered round to hear the word and perhaps none was more eager than mr bowen quite evidently he had strong hopes of receiving the chalice for his church and he listened to the jeweller's story but it was of little value mr brown declared his knowledge of many of mrs pell's jewels which she had shown him asking his opinion or merely to gratify his interest and again when she had wanted to sell some of the smaller ones but he was sure that she possessed many invaluable stones that he had never seen he named some diamonds and emeralds that were of sufficient size and weight to be designated by name he told of some collections that she had bought with his knowledge and advice and he assured them that he was positive she was the owner of at least two million dollars worth of unset gems part of which formed the collection left to her by her husband and part of which she had acquired later herself but mr brown hadn't the slightest idea where these gems were stored for safe-keeping he had sometimes discreetly hinted to mrs pell that he would like to know where they were merely as a matter of interest but she had never told him and had only stated that they were safe from fire flood or thieves those were her very words he asserted and when i said that was an all-round statement she laughed and said they were buried buried cried iris what an idea a very good idea mr brown defended i'm not sure that isn't the best way to conceal such a stock of valuables but buried where pursued the girl that i don't know said the jeweller chapter five